listening to the Startup Finance Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show entirely focused on helping you to build a financially fit and fundable business. On this show, we connect you with finance aficionados to impart their expertise to help your business grow. The Startup Finance Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe to this Startup Finance Podcast through iTunes and Google Play Music. This podcast is presented in partnership with MasterCard, a technology company in the global payments industry. MasterCard's global payments processing network connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governments in more than 210 countries and territories. MasterCard products and solutions make everyday commerce activities such as shopping, traveling, running a business, and even managing your finances easier, more secure, and more efficient. I am your host, Dr. Sean Wise, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Ryerson University. I bring more than 19 years experience in seed investing, including five seasons spent supporting CBC's Dragon's Den. I've published dozens of articles for Profit, Inc., and even Canadian Business, as well as several best-selling books on venture capital, entrepreneurship, and pitching ideas. Want to connect with me after this podcast? Join me at 100stepstostartup.com. This is Robert Govro, partner at Govro and Associates CPA. Robert is the founding partner of Govro and Associates CPA that works with entrepreneurs and professionals in growing their business, increasing their profits, paying less taxes, and growing their overall wealth. Govro and Associates is Canada's leading CPA firm focusing on servicing the SME or small and medium-sized enterprise market, and they've been recognized as one of Canada's fastest growing companies. Robert was inducted into his home city's business hall of fame in 2018. He was recognized by Trent University with an alumni leadership award in 2017, and he was recognized by the Chamber of Commerce as a top 40 under 40 leader in 2014. Most recently, he was recognized by the Chamber of Commerce with an entrepreneurship award. There's too many awards here, Robert. Let me just try that again. Robert is the founding partner of Govro and Associates CPA that works with entrepreneurs and professionals in growing their businesses, increasing their profits, paying less taxes, and growing their wealth. Govro and Associates is Canada's leading CPA firm focusing on servicing the SME market and has been recognized as one of Canada's fastest growing companies. Robert was inducted into his home city's Hall of Fame in 2018. Robert was recognized by Trent University with an Alumni Leadership Award in 2017. He was also recognized by the Chamber of Commerce as a top 40 under 40 leader in 2014. But that's not all. Robert was also recognized by the Chamber of Commerce with an Entrepreneurship Award in 2009. And most recently, Robert and his team have become the sole Canadian partner of Tony Robbins and his business mastery clients, for 2016, 2017, and 2018. Outside his regular business, Robert is a partner at Venture North, which is a 40,000-square-foot entrepreneurship incubation facility in Peterborough, Ontario. In addition to that, Robert was a founding member of Startup 
Peterborough. He is the vice chair of the city's 2018 United Way campaign and a founding member of the Hope Charity. He also provides keynote speaking engagements surrounding how entrepreneurs can build, grow, and drive wealth in their businesses. Welcome, Robert. Wow. Thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> you know, I thought I had a huge Wikipedia entry, a huge bio, and it looks like mine's written by my mother, but yours <laughs> just goes on and on and on. So forget my first question. Let me ask you this. How do you sleep? How do you balance everything in your life? You know, to be honest, it gets easier and easier as uh, as you grow into your career. I, I initially, when I was first starting my practice, you know, there's lots of grind and there's lots of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, but you know what? Now I've surrounded myself with an incredible group who allow me to get out and do a little bit more for the community, a little bit more for business owners. So it's it's much easier now than than it has been in the past. That's for sure. Now, you're a trusted advisor to entrepreneurs around the province and even around the country. What do you do when they bring you their problems of work-life balance? What advice can you give them? Because they don't always have those great teams. <laughs> you know what? A lot of the time, it's just uh, telling them that it, it's okay. It's going to get easier. Um, it can get easier. Uh, but certainly, when you're starting up a business, it's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, as someone who wants to start up a business, if you don't want to put in that effort, it's going to be a real struggle um, to get that work-life balance to where you want it. So it does get easier. It certainly does. No, I think there's a real loneliness to it as well sometimes. And I, I think that when you mingle with a community like Startup Peterborough or Startup Canada, or if you're in the incubator space, that like Venture North, I think you get to see other people go through it. And maybe that helps normalize it, the the, the moral support of others. Well, absolutely. And I think that's, um, you know, we've, we've certainly, I have professionally gone through struggles, made bad choices choices, you know, had failures, had wins. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that once you get, you know, a few years under your belt, you become a stronger advisor. And for someone to call me and, and say, you know, I'm struggling with work-life balance, I'm struggling with, you know, my commitment to the business, I can say, you know what, I've been there and uh, been there and moved through it. And this is how I've done it. So and that is possible. And it is nope. possible. Now, we're mostly going to talk about tax and small business management, but, but when we finish today, what would you want listeners to walk away with? What lessons do you hope they really pick up on? Yeah, ultimately, you know, people should know and understand that working with a good advisor can make your life easier, um, can provide you with the, the advice and the guidance that you need to take your business to the next level. And you don't necessarily have to stress and worry about taxes and not getting them done. If you work with someone, if you have an advisor on your team who can help you with that, you know, you can continue to focus on your business while the advisor can maybe help get, uh, get all your filings done and let you sleep at night. And I think that's a, that's a great approach. I mean, you call it a trusted advisor. You're not just an accountant. I imagine that most of your legal and taxation advice is about accounting, but I've always found my accountant to be a great source of, of general business knowledge. You know, they have not just me as a client, but they have dozens of other people in similar situations. How do you recommend people choose trusted advisors? Um, 
Well, I feel like one thing you need to look out for is that people have the focus and experience in the area of your business that you have. Um, you know, certainly our firm works a lot with entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, you should find somebody who has experience and knowledge of your industry uh, because there's certainly, you know, we work with about 400 different businesses and we have the experience of seeing how the financial models come through in each of those different areas. And that's expertise that we can offer to a client. And I think that's something you should look for. Also, I think it's important to work with someone that you trust um, and work with someone who can communicate well with you and uh, is maybe a little bit on the proactive side so that they can give you a good direction going forward instead of just dealing with the past. I think that's all great advice. I think a lot of entrepreneurs still struggle, though, in selecting because on day one, everyone talks a good game. We always recommend that they talk to their current client base. And and if there's ever been any trouble, to talk to what that trouble was about. Because I think most people uh, have a better understanding after they've used the services. Are there, are there questions you like to hear clients ask you before retaining you? Uh, good question. Um you know what? I, I like to know that uh, myself and the business owner are on the same page that, you know, we're willing to push the boundaries of the gray zone. Um, but we want to work with people who, who are also in that and not necessarily trying to not claim things and not report anything. That's not necessarily the client that we're looking for. Um, but someone who's looking to grow their business um, as we grow our business and, and succeeding together. That's essentially who our market is. And, and, you know, again, I, I think you have to align yourself with people with similar values. Um, and when you hire people, you do ask for, you know, references. And I don't think that's a, a bad suggestion at all. You should look at some of the existing clients that work with the advisor and see how their experience has been. Okay. Let's say you're approached by a first time founder and they want to get ready for tax season and they don't have a business degree, they've never worked elsewhere, where's the real starting point? What are the records and documents that entrepreneurs should always be forward thinking about so that when tax season comes, they're well prepared? Yeah, so the reporting requirements are a little bit different depending on what type of organization you have. If you have a corporation, uh, then bookkeeping and reconciliations have to be complete uh, to ensure that you have a balance sheet to report. So the balance sheet being you're reporting your bank balance, your maybe accounts receivable inventory, um, liabilities like accounts payable, stuff like that. So if you're a corporation, that has to be presented. If you're a proprietorship or a partnership, you don't necessarily have to report that information you just have to report the income and expenses related to your business so you know a lot of times at this time of year we get asked what are some of the common deductions that SME and entrepreneurs are eligible for and the general rule of thumb is that we need to know any of the expenses which were related to generating income. So anything, any costs that you've incurred related to growing your business or generating a profit, uh, those are, as a general rule of thumb, uh, deductible with a few exceptions. Now, you mentioned generating a profit and not every small business is blessed to be doing so out of the front, uh, the front few weeks. But generally to be sustainable, that has to happen. When a company isn't generating uh, income or isn't generating profit, 
do things change or is that when you should be applying your, your, your diligence, applying to set yourself up so that when it does start, you're, you're ready to go. Does taxes and tax planning only apply if you're making money? No, absolutely not. So, um, even if you have a loss, you can be setting yourself up for, for success in the future by filing properly. One example is, um, you know, if you're looking at having a loss in the first year, but you know, your next year is really going to be strong. Um, one thing that you can do in the first year, even though it creates a loss, um, is make sure that you're maximizing your depreciation or what in, in tax world is called capital cost allowance. Um, so we're maximizing that depreciation expense in the first year. It creates a bigger loss, but what that does is it provides a carry forward into the next year, which offsets any future tax. So even if you're not making money, there are strategic decisions from a tax planning standpoint that you can make to set yourself up for a better future. So in the old days, with air quotes, uh, the accountant's <laughs> nightmare was the client who comes in a day before taxes are due with a shoebox. I'm hopeful those days are, are mostly behind us. But what is the equivalent in the modern day? What, what are people expecting to do to be able to work with an accountant? Are they keeping books weekly? Are they keeping them daily? Are they using an online system like QuickBooks? What's the modern small business person who's really trying to figure out how to sell their product, how to maximize their own time? What should they at least be doing at a minimum? <laughs> Great question, Sean. I wish the shoebox days were over too. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we still see that a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily with small business, but individuals who maybe have real estate, rental income, and stuff like that. But certainly from an SME, a startup business standpoint, if you're looking at setting yourself up for success, not only for tax uh, filing, but also for having up-to-date financial information, definitely a, a quick books online would be you know our, our strongest recommendation now uh, some of it pulls the banking uh, information in on a direct feed which means that there's less uh, administrative inputting from from the the business owners end. it pulls all the information in so that you can see what your income and expenses are and more so not not necessarily for tax filing but for making quality decision making uh, it's so important to have that financial scoreboard in front of you of where you're at. Now, I think that's a brilliant point, and I don't think most people have figured that out yet. They keep their bookkeeping, they keep their, their records in order to pay taxes, to, to mitigate their taxes, to minimize w w their exposure. But in truth, they're missing out because it is a dashboard. It is a scoreboard of where you are. So should every business start on day one? Because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not making money. Why should I keep track of it? And I keep saying, well, QuickBooks Online is free for a year. So there's a no brainer. And you can get an app to scan your receipts and to make your business even easier. The shoebox isn't efficient. What's your experience? in those first first months is that something people need to start early absolutely when you the moment you set up your bank account you should have your quickbooks online ready um, again it pulls in all the information to your point you know to have an, an application that can scan in receipts so that you don't have to worry about them down the road 
you know, so many people can't find the receipts, you know, if Canada Revenue Agency comes in and is doing an audit, you're going to have to have access to those receipts. But if right off the bat, you've got your QuickBooks Online active, you're scanning in your documents, everything's saved in a cloud-based server for you. Your advisor, you know, one thing that we'd like to do is not only start working from day one, but help outline, you know, your budgeted cash flow for your success path as well. So that's even a, a step back. But to have access to that, to see what your scoreboard is, whether you're on track for being successful, I, I think is one of the largest points of success for small business owners. And if they come to you, you can help them set it up properly, not just the, the, the technical side, but so that you're getting the right information, you're looking at the right data. I've even seen people log in simultaneously to manage it. So when someone is just starting out, setting up their QuickBooks online, they can even do that with you or with the advisors so that they can get the right data at the right time. But in general, what are the services that accounting firms can provide to small and medium-sized enterprises, especially during those first few years? Yeah, well, again, for me, our firm focuses on working in this market. So one of the steps that we almost try and make necessary for everyone is to start off with a budgeted, uh, income and loss and cash flow statement to show the business owner exactly what it is that they need to do to realize their financial targets and to ensure their success. And, you know, for something like that, you know, there's a cost of maybe about $2,500 to get that all set up. But what that does is it outlines your success path and you can see where you are along the way to ensuring that you get the results that you want. So that's one thing that we do. Certainly, um, you know, firms like ours, we do bookkeeping for clients. So although maybe you don't want to get your QuickBooks online because you don't understand it or you would rather focus on uh, driving revenue, that's okay. You know, we can get access to the QuickBooks online and do all the back end recording um, for small businesses, which again, if you want to focus on driving your business and, and that sort of bookkeeping piece isn't of interest, certainly, you know, a firm like ours can help. And then tax filing, of course, and and income tax planning and income planning and, and wealth generation, you know, how much should you be putting aside to maximize your personal and, and business wealth? Uh, how much should you be putting aside to ensure that you're ready for capital expansion in the future? So those are all things that a, a CPA firm can offer. Well, I think that's great. What about the entrepreneur? What role do they play? What are some good tax practices, some good accounting practices uh, first-time entrepreneurs should be right on top of? Um, certainly getting that, you know, the QuickBooks Online or the cloud-based bookkeeping software from day one should be there. Um, entrepreneurs, I, I love working with entrepreneurs. Uh, we all know, I, I feel like I'm one of them, but I'm, I'm a very grounded one because I've got a CPA background. But, uh, you know, we all have crazy ideas and, and dreams and visions and passions that we want to fulfill. And I feel like making sure that you have someone that can, you know, look at the, the logistics and the the qualitative piece of it uh, to ensure that it'll be successful, right? Um, I think aligning yourself maybe with a mentor or whether it's a good advisor, uh, making sure that you have those relationships in place to to ensure success would be a very strong part. Um, as far as you know, 
tax planning goes, I, I feel like entrepreneurs need to outline maybe in advance what they want their personal income to be. Because if you're, especially if you're incorporated, there's differences between business tax and personal tax. And if you can minimize the income that you want to claim personally, but maximize your business income, you know, there's a major opportunity to keep your tax rates down to around 13 and a half percent, which is very exciting because not too many people have that tax rate. So that's something, you know, in advance, you should be planning and looking at what the outcome will be for your success. That's great advice. Now, I know a lot of entrepreneurs have filed their own taxes before, but not all of them have been employers. So what are some of the employee-related obligations that all entrepreneurs need to be aware of, whether they're incorporated or not, but they're the running of the business, they're the employers. So what are the SMEs really need to keep top of mind? So employees definitely complicate your life in so many ways, but um, if you can surround yourself with the best people. Uh, Like I said, you know, your life can become much easier and together you can certainly create a larger amount of success. So one of the one of the first things you have to consider when you hire employees, one, you have to get them to fill out what's called a TD1 form, which has uh, it's it's a CRA form that asks if they what their deductions should look like from their personal income. Um, Once you have that form filled out, You also need to apply for a payroll account with the CRA. It's just like an HST account. Um, And with the payroll account, you have to file it. Essentially, everyone has to file it on a monthly basis. Um, And from there, you have to withhold income tax, Canada Pension Plan, and employment insurance benefits from each employee. So those payments for anything you withhold are due on the 15th of every single month. Um, And then on February 28th, the year following, uh, you need to make sure that all T4s are filed for the employees. One thing to keep in mind would be that there may be taxable benefits related to health, maybe a a vehicle benefit uh, where the employee might receive a company paid benefit. So you have to make sure that uh, any of those benefits get included on a T4 as well. Now, if anyone is listening and felt that was scary or, or wasn't really clear what they're to do, I think that only proves the, the benefit of the, the CPA because that, I imagine, is something that needs to be set up right away and done properly. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you if you miss uh, your filing obligations related to payroll, there are fairly significant penalties. Um, the CRA doesn't necessarily, you know, there's, there's a few different ways that maybe you owe money. It might be through source deductions. It might be through HST or it might be for business tax, they really don't like when you're using other people's source deduction money and not remitting it on time. They get really angry. And the same- So just in plain English, just in plain English, when you're holding money from your payroll of your employees, when you have a withholding tax, instead of giving it to the government, you're using it for something else. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're using um, an employee, so for example, you pay an employee $500 a week, but their check's only $350, you hold $150 on their behalf to pay their taxes to the government. And if you use that money to grow your business instead of actually giving it to the government on behalf of the employees, they get pretty angry. Well, I would imagine so. I think what's a little more common is the HST account. 
So people seem to forget that 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 amount that's being charged has to be passed on. And I know many entrepreneurs who dip into it later to figure out they can't make the pay the payment to the CRA and they don't take it well. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? That's not uncommon, right? Um, you know, you make your first sale. It's a thousand dollars. Now there's HST on it. You get one thousand one hundred and thirty dollars. Next thing you know, you bought something for eleven hundred dollars and your HST money's gone. And you know. That's okay. You, they give you a, a certain time frame where you can do that. But, you know, if it's if you're filings annually or quarterly, you got to make sure that the money is there in order to pay them on time. Well, and I think, again, that goes why you start calculating and keeping track of everything from day one so that you have all the deductions lined up. Absolutely. Now, one, one piece of advice, I guess, for entrepreneurs with respect to the HST would be, you know, if you make that sale for $1,000 and you, you collect $130 in HST, you know, be aware of how much of that HST you might have to pay to the government. Maybe a smart idea would be to set up a secondary account and maybe for that $1,000 sale, you put $100 away for HST um, because you're going to be able to claim some HST you pay on your expenses to reduce the amount you have to actually remit to the government. But uh, it, sh- it should be planned out that you're putting some money away along, along your time frame before you have to actually pay the large amount to the CRA. And the risk, of course, if you don't, is you A, won't know how much is owing and B, you won't have the cash on hand. Let's talk deductions since you're giving out advice. What are some of the common tax deductions and benefits that small and medium-sized enterprise entrepreneurs are, are specifically using to mitigate their taxation? What are they eligible for? <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, advertising, you know, growing your revenue, investing in, in advertising to grow that, that business, you know, meals and entertainment, 50% of those are deductible if that meal and entertainment is used towards generating new business. Uh, insurance is deductible. That's, you know, business insurance. So some life insurance is deductible. Uh, some is not. Uh, interest on any loans related to the business and bank charges. We've got membership fees, office supplies. Definitely accounting fees are a good deduction. Um, Just like advertising, if you can work with an advisor, you get your deduction related to that, but it might help you make more money in the future. Uh, You've got rent, maybe business use of home uh, for for some entrepreneurs who have their office out of their home and they ordinarily conduct business out of there. Um, you know, property taxes, travel expenses, vehicle expenses, uh, professional development. If you're you're looking to improve yourself or invest in some research as to your next market opportunities, that's deductible. Uh, private health services plans, so you know, employee benefits, repairs and maintenance, salaries and wages, and ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, anything that you spend money on that's directly related to you operating your business or improving your business chances are it's deductible. And that needs to be really clear because you're not saying you only have to pay it when you're making money or losing money. You're saying that you may be better off all along the way. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes there's meals and entertainment expenses that people want to claim that aren't related to new business or servicing their existing business. Um, We just need to be very conscious that anything that directly relates to, you know, maintaining your business or increasing it, chances are it is deductible. Aside from golf, golf fees, golf dues, golf dues, the, for whatever reason, the Canada Revenue Agency does not like them and you can't deduct them. 
I think that's because they have a very bad handicap on their golf game. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Now, any government, provincial, municipal, or federal, has only so many levers to pull. And one of those levers is all around tax and how much and how. Uh, our current sitting government uh, last 12 months has been talking about tax changes, tax changes that affect the small and medium-sized enterprise, the professional company. Do you have a short list of the latest changes in tax rules that, that people should be aware of? Yeah. So, so ultimately, yes, you're right. Um, it's been a very interesting last eight months. Uh, it's been a whirlwind uh, with proposed changes and they did finalize what the, what the changes look like. Um, I guess one positive is that they did drop the, the corporate tax rate, small business tax rate. So they dropped that from uh, 15% down to 14.5% January 1st, 2018, and then down to 13.5% January 1st, 2019. So that's a one positive uh, that we can take out of the changes. The other two big ones related to passive investments. Um, so investments, whether it's it's mutual fund stocks, uh, real estate that's held within a corporation. Um, so what they've done there with passive investments is they've said you're going to be limited to earning your first $50,000 of investment income inside your corporation under existing rules. And anything above that is going to be taxed at a higher rate. Um, and it, it gets a little bit complicated as to how it works, but but just know that there could be a surtax on any investment income that you earn over $50,000. Again, they, they put 50,000 because they said that's that approximates a million dollars with a uh, of investments with a 5% return on investment. So that's where the 50 came from. But again, anything above 50 starts to claw back uh, some of your small business deduction as, as you go forward. So the other one uh, related to income splitting with family members. And a lot of us, uh, a lot of us proactive tax planners have been taking full advantage of the of the law and uh, and the fact that taxpayers have been able to uh, income split with family members over 18 for quite some time so the Canada Revenue Agency came in this year in uh, in the budget and said effective January 1st 2018 any income splitting with family members over 18 will be eliminated um, unless you meet certain contribution targets. So one of those would be if if you're income splitting with a family member, if they're working more than 20 hours per week in your business, you can still income split with them. Uh, one of the other methods was if they actually, if, if a family member actually invested their own hard-earned cash into the business, they would be eligible to receive a, a reasonable rate of return on that investment. So you can still income split that way. Now, there's a bunch of exemptions um, in there, but those are the, essentially the two big ones. And so, so what they've done is they've closed off a loop uh, that we've been, you know, as proactive people, we've been income splitting with maybe adult students who've been in school. We've been allocating dividends over to them. So the CRA has come in and said, well, no, if they're not working there 20 hours a week, then you can no longer do that. 
I guess it depends on what they do. I have a five-year-old son. I guess he's under 18, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, he's the mascot for the business. I don't think they can uh, give him uh, an income split. No, you know, the five-year-old's tough. And and that's why they've always had the benchmark of 18. Um, Absolutely. Because anyone who's under 18, there, there's a, a tax rule that's called tax on specified income. So if you were actually income splitting with people under the age of 18, they would say that they're not of sound mind to make management decisions related to how the business operates so that any of that income you're attributing to your five-year-old could would actually end up back on your tax return. Well, there's two problems with that. You're saying when they're 18, they actually can make those decisions. <laughs> yeah. And they've never met my son, Edison, who at five manages better mutual funds than I do. Absolutely. We're going to be wrapping up, Bob. Uh, but I want to ask you, any final thoughts or advice for our listeners today? The, the, these people are, are your bread and butter. They're the small and medium-sized heroes across our great nation. And, and I love them all. And, you know, this time of year becomes very stressful for people because what they're trying to do is they're trying to drive their business. They're trying to realize their vision. And, you know, don't don't worry so much about how you're going to pull all this stuff together. Find yourself someone who you trust that can help you with this so you can continue to drive your passion. Um, you know, we work with so, so many business owners and, and pull this information together for them and help them realize their goals. And, you know, here, here's one more thing. Make sure that you file on time. Um, whether you have the cash, whether you're, you've reinvested so much that you don't have the cash to pay your tax bill on time, make sure you file. Um, if you're not filing on time, you're actually, your file gets flagged as a risk because you're not compliant. And what you don't want is while you're trying to realize your vision and your passion for growing your business, you don't want CRA coming in and saying, well, you didn't file, so now we're going to audit you. Um, so file on time, you know, self-employed people, who are not incorporated, your tax filing deadline is June 15th. Don't miss that. Um, anyone who, who doesn't have self-employed income, their tax filing is April 30th. Again, you've got HST reporting filing deadlines. You've got T4 filing deadlines. You've got source deductions. There's all kinds of stuff that, you know, from a compliance standpoint, you've got deadlines to meet. Find someone to help you ensure that you hit those deadlines so CRA doesn't come and interrupt your vision. Well, I want to thank you for helping us today and to get deeper insights into the tax and accounting matters foremost on the minds of small and medium-sized entrepreneurs. Thank you, Robert. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to providing entrepreneurs with advice and experiences on startup finance. Want to access more resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca to gain access to support, resources, and events. And be sure while you're there to check out all the other original Startup Canada podcast series on the Startup Canada podcast network.